Hello and welcome to another episode of Behind the Batch podcast brought to you by SBC Sponsorship. We are today recording with video and live at, uh, well, not live, but at SBC Summit Latin America from Miami. It's really a pleasure to be joined as always with uh, by George Harborn, director of SBC Sponsorship. How are you, George? I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, enjoying the, enjoying the Miami heat, the Miami weather. It's nice. It's great, it's great. And we are joined by commercial director Samuel Perez, who is uh, part of a major team, probably one of the biggest teams in Chile. We are talking about Chile, of course. And uh, if I say probably never relegated, first team to win the Copa Libertadores from Chile, uh, you already know I'm talking about Colo Colo. El Cacique, Samuel, thank you for being here. How are you? Fine, really good. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks and, for joining and, us. And it's the biggest. It's the biggest. Okay, that's <laughs> no Samuel's word. So <laughs> if you have to oh. insult, uh, you know it, you don't have to insult us. We didn't say it. We said one of the biggest, but Samuel's. Uh, we have our first quote of the podcast for today. As you were saying, one of the biggest, I was thinking, Sam's definitely going to tell you it's the yeah, biggest. Yeah. <laughs> we all think our club is the biggest. Well, I'm not going to make any assessment on, on that statement. But, uh, but yeah, uh, you can quote Sam on that. Uh, but well, to get started with the podcast, Sam, can you tell us how do you first started working in sports? Oof, it's a long way. Um, I was finishing the uni. I, I studied like a business. And it was the same time as Marcelo Bielsa was the head coach of the national team. So I got, I, I always loved football. I played football. Uh, but when Bielsa was in Chile, I, I started to study football, like uh, to have like a keen interest in what's happening in the game, tactics, etc. I read all his books about him and I wrote him a letter. So I said, OK, I, I want to learn from you. Uh, he called me back. Oh, wow. That was crazy. I was like, hey, <laughs> what do you do? You prepare a speech and then you go all blank. Uh, so I worked for him like for a few weeks. Um, obviously no payment. So I was learning. And sadly, he, he resigned to the national team. So I couldn't stay longer. But that was like the first interest. Then I, I was assistant coach of a fourth division team in Chile. I wanted to be on the pitch. Then, then I, I work a little bit in the, in the private industry, like as, as a business guy, like a year, maybe the worst year in my life. Very, very boring. And, and then I was called to uh, be the CEO of a new team um, in the south of Chile. So I, I went there for a year. We got promoted to the professional football. And then I had the opportunity to go to London and work for Football Radar. Um, I was there like three and a half years. I probably analyzed and watched between 2,000 and 3,000 games. Uh, awesome times watching games, big games, but also like a second division in Japan with the fans in, in the stadiums. Um, and then I went to Madrid to uh, study a master in, in, in sports business, sports management. And then I... I worked for Microsoft uh, for a spin-off, the, uh, the Global Sports Innovation Center. And then back to Chile, family uh, ties. I, uh, we had a baby with my wife. And then coming back to Chile, the, I knew I'm a Colo Colo fan. So I always was, uh, was checking about them, what they are doing. And I knew that for, a, for many months, they didn't have a commercial director. So... I, I wrote them, uh, I pulled some strings, so hey, I, I would like to, to be part of the process. And luckily, it was a good process and 
I'm already in Colo-Colo four and a half years. Wow. Something like that. That is an incredible journey into, into working in sport. I think what's really interesting about that story is that that transition from being kind of on-pitch focused and then, you know, with the with the analysis that you were doing and all the rest of it and the coaching to then becoming off the pitch focused, you know, with the business side of it, that gives you that full kind of view of, of a sports organization. Going back to the introduction that Fernando gave, he spoke a little bit about, um, you know, hot topic for the gambling industry at the moment is what's taking place in, in Chile around gambling sponsorship, sponsorship ban, whatever we want to call it. Um, I'd like to kind of hear from you a little bit about that. You know, you've got your, your main partnership with Coolbet. I guess it's probably two sides to, to talking about this subject from a Colo Colo perspective and a, and a, you know, personal perspective for you. What's the impact for Coolbet and not just Coolbet, but the impact that, that that then has commercially for Colo Colo? But then also, what do you perceive, you know, the impact of a sponsorship ban being on sport wider in Chile? Well, in, in the commercial side, uh, our deal with Coolbet is the, the biggest front of shirt deal in the history of uh, Chilean football. So it's, it's, it's massive. And yeah, it's really busy times now in Chile. Um, but I think you have to maybe separate things in two different paths. One is uh, what happened to the Federation. Uh, and they deal with Betson, which was like the, the league naming rights. Um, and they had to, to, to break that deal because they have a, they are, let's do it another way. Uh, the clubs in Chile, they are um, enterprises and Colo Colo, along with two other clubs, we are listed in the stock exchange market. So we are, we are being, uh, supervised by another organism which is like a private sector etc uh, called the CMF but the federation they are another entity another kind of entity so they are being uh, supervised by the ministry of justice so they said okay if you don't break it uh, the deal i will take your uh, personality away and you uh, and that's what happened and then and and they did it so but that doesn't affect us, the clubs, right now at the moment. But at the same time, the, there are being there are discussions uh, in in the parliament of uh, two different laws. One is the one that I think the industry is pushing, betting companies, the clubs, which is to regulate the market. Um, so they pay taxes, which is like uh, what uh, everyone wants. The, to be regulated and don't have problems and uh, maybe being established in Chile, etc., etc. And there is another one which wants to ban any sponsorship uh, in football clubs or in sports, uh, away from front of shirts, uh, LED, etc. That one started a bit sooner than the other one, so it's going moving. It, it's in a in, in in another step, but we are confident that maybe. The other one that's going to regulate the market, it's going to be the one that it's uh, going to be published and, and approved. And and so we don't have problems in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said already Coolbet being the biggest deal um, in Chilean football, biggest main partner in Chilean football. To lose that, obviously, you, you're, you're very unlikely, I'm guessing, to be able to replace that from outside the gambling sector. 
which then creates creates commercial challenges, right? Creates budgetary challenges. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, we already had a law uh, last year that they banned alcohol from being in, in, in sports. So that's going to be a f uh, in effect in July 2026. And we have our, our front of shirt before Coolbet uh, was a beer company. They are still in our, in our shirt. They are our main partner. Um, but yeah, they, they already took that away from sports. Now they maybe try to get this other uh, big industry. So sports in Chile, they don't have a lot of uh, financing uh, support. And in the case of Coolbet, for example, or the other betting companies, they not only sponsorship uh, clubs, but they also sponsor uh, individuals, uh, as, uh, athletes. And without that support, they maybe won't be able to, to, to try to be professionals. Uh, that's like a big problem. If they ban that, maybe we will lose uh, a lot of athletes. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not easy. I think we see that in other countries as well. Like football is, in, in most countries, the, the number one sport. So although it's going to be hugely affected by these sorts of conversations and, and potential bans, because it's still the biggest sport, it, it, it ultimately will survive in some way, shape or form. But there's that real threat, as you just said there, of you know, whether it's athletes being supported or, or kind of the smaller sports further down that, that pyramid, if that funding goes from those sponsors, it's a genuine question of how do, we, how do we replace that? How do we keep running? How do we keep operating? And you have the case of Spain. They yeah. banned uh, betting companies and then they tried to get into new industries, uh, cryptocurrencies or... And they had a lot of problems with uh, new companies getting into front of shirt deals and they didn't pay. So they had to uh, cut the deals. In Italy, I think it happened uh, the same to a few yeah, clubs. So, you, yeah, maybe they will try to go to new industries. Uh, and that's also very, I don't know, too, uh, too variable. There's risk there, yeah. Too risky, yeah. The, the English, the, the, sorry, the, the, the Premier League, I think they did a very smart thing that they... They, cut, they came together and they decided to get them out of front of shirt, but they're going to be in the sleeve, LED, carpet, and all the rest of the deal. So, uh, and that's going to happen, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, end of the 25-26 season. Yeah, so there's a kind of like a, a runway into that taking effect. And like you said there, that was something that it wasn't imposed on the league. It was the, the teams came together as a collective and, and have ultimately voted that in as a group because they see... I guess the pressure, the political pressure, there was a lot of political pressure in the UK over the last period of time, similar to what's taking place in Chile now um, for change. And you know, that was a step toward it. But again, you know, similar to what we're talking about in Chile, in the UK, the, the money that comes in from sponsorship from the gambling industry is so important, not just at, in, at Premier League level, but if you look at the, the EFL with their deal with Skybet, it's a huge deal that supports 72 football clubs um, across those three divisions, um, but going back to going back to Colo Colo in, in Chile a second, if if you lose, let's say, worst case scenario, you know you go through that process of of losing the the sector, commercializing other areas of the club becomes of even greater importance. It's already important, of course. That's that's your day to day job to make sure that the revenue is growing and and, and the club is growing commercially, um, but. You, you know, speaking to you before we came on the podcast, you were talking about the success that you've had with season ticket holders, record numbers. Do you want to talk us through a little bit about that and how you've achieved that success? Because that's 
really interesting story. Yeah, sure. Um, well, in Colo Colo, the biggest uh, revenue stream is uh, the commercial, um, which includes sponsorships. Um, TV is a high revenue, but for us, is in the third place already. Uh, we have a commercial side, then we have the match day ticketing and season ticket holders and, and, and the food and beverage. And then you have the TV. Um, this season has been really, really good for us in terms of uh, ticketing. We have a sold out stadium for every game. Uh, record season, season ticket holders, uh, around 15,000. Uh, historically, Coca-Cola didn't have more than 4,000, which is very strange for, for such a big club. Uh, we, had, we had a really, we made a really long analysis and we found out that there wasn't consistency in the season ticket uh, conditions. They were changing every year, like uh, how it works if you can, if, I don't know, the different conditions of the, the season ticket uh, were changing year after year. So the first thing we did when we arrived was to, A, same rules or same conditions throughout the, the, the years. So the people know what, uh, what to expect every time. And then we had a pandemic. And in, in the pandemic, first in Chile, we had the social um, unrest and, and the league was stopped for uh, two months before the ending. So we, we had a lot of games uh, pending our season ticket holders base was really low so it wasn't such a big uh, massive problem but uh, we decided to uh, compensate all those season ticket holders prolong the duration of the season ticket for the next year yeah and and saying that maybe gave a message and we duplicated the amount of uh, season ticket holders for the next season 2020 and then we had pandemic so all stadium closed, and then we took the decision to prolong um, the, 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 to another season, 2021. So these kind of messages, all the other clubs were like, okay, you lost. Yeah. You lost your season ticket. We prolong it. But what pressure did that put on you financially? Because that's, that's a difficult thing to do, right? Because you, you would forecast that that revenue is coming in for the next season, and you've done, I think, absolutely the right thing by your fans to, to, to say, we're not going to charge you again. That, that season ticket for this season will carry over, but that's revenue lost then as well, isn't it? So how did how did you? Well, back to that very end? tough decision. At the same time, maybe we were a little bit lucky because uh, the the amount of the season ticket holders were, was not very high. Okay. So we could took maybe that uh, take that decision and that risk, but we had to compensate with uh, the commercial side. Yeah. So saying sponsorships and in pandemic it was crazy. Yeah. Um, we cut the uh, we cut our deal with Umbro. Yeah, um, they had problems. Uh, uh, our front of shirt also. They, they they didn't know if if to extend the contract or not. So we had to find the two biggest uh, partners in a club uh, in July, and we had to change uh, shirts in December. So it was a crazy times. Uh, we talked to everyone in the in the shirt industry, and we got at the end a very nice deal with adidas for six years and the front of shirt which was this uh, beer company we talked with over 120 companies in chile wow. uh, and abroad and at the end it was the first week in december we didn't have a front of shirt sponsor we had the 
the shirts coming in the first week of January and we were like, oof, it's going to be tough. And then pressure, pressure. And, and then so, sometimes the, the planets, you say the planets, they, they align. Yeah, that's it. And, and we had a, yeah, a conversation with Anhoise Bushimbeb, which is a, the, the, the owners of a, a Pilsen del Sur. And we agreed that deal in 10 days. Yeah. So the, the fastest deal uh, that we have uh, managed uh, with the same amount of the the one that was leaving, so we didn't lose money in that uh, so side. That, yeah, it's brilliant. So that was yeah, really good. Yeah, months of work that culminates in a very quick two week turnaround. And from home because yeah. we were doing like a, a, you couldn't go to the office, yeah. so you were working from I don't know, nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've certainly grown internally, but let's talk about going global as a brand with Colo Colo. You have an upcoming game with. River Plate that everyone knows my avatar is probably going to be somewhere uh, I'm a Boca fan so I'm not particularly interested in the sports aspect of this particular game but I do want to know what uh, how important is this type of game this specific game and other games like this for uh, the, the construction of the brand in the internationally Fernando is going to be a Colo, Colo Colo fan for that game. From now on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have we, to be. We played against Boca as yeah, well yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. last year. Yeah, I, I don't want to remind you how in those games went. It was a friendly. I, I'm, <laughs> it oh, was a gentleman, please. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah, let's keep it professional, please. <laughs> keep it pro, keep it pro. So how important is this game with versus River and, and other games like this for the construction or, or the build-up for the, the international brand of Colo Colo? Well, it, it's our focus uh, right now for us uh, because in Chile, 42% of the country are Colo Colo fans. So it's, it's massive. Wow. Uh, we did the comparison with Boca. Boca is 41.5% of uh, the Argentinian population. Real Madrid is 32%. They have a massive fan base around the world, but in Spain it's 32%. So the impact that Colo Colo has in our country is bigger than any other team that you can imagine in the top five leagues. So the next step naturally for us is to try to go abroad. Uh, we can't do it with the league. We, do, we don't have a league separated from the federation like uh, La Liga or the Premier League. Um, we don't sell also the TV rights every three, five years like in most of leagues. So we have a very long, uh, really good deal, but a long one. So. It's not easy to go with them to try to internationalize uh, the team. So what we did is we signed a deal with ESPN, with Star Plus, uh, for 20 friendlies in, in four years. And we started to do that uh, last season. So we played in the, in the preseason. We played with Boca um, in Argentina. And in December last year, we played with Betis, two games in Chile, and also Real Plate. Uh, really good games. Yeah, you could understand also what La Liga is doing because La Liga helped to finals uh, to bring Betis to South America, and and they go hand in hand to do things. So we had meetings with Betis if many many weeks before the game to try to do uh, merchandising together to the, like, the the how you say the scarves. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. Colombia Betis. So so to do things together. And that was really, really nice because we understood that there is a market for those kind of things. And now with River, um, we're gonna play also in Chile, in the south of Chile. Uh, it's part of this deal. And and we are organizing already other ones. We are 
planning maybe to go on a tour, which is gonna be maybe one of the first one Goro Goro in in a long time. Uh, and we are working together with ESPN, but also with our partners. We have partners that are global partners, same Adidas. They have uh, teams everywhere, yeah, so we are planning with them to to try to do things. If we go abroad, that they can ship the shirts in the Adidas uh, shop in yeah. that country. So we are trying to do things together in that area. And I guess you know, with that with that internationalization, you've kind of started to touch on it a little bit there with Adidas. How much does retail and licensing kind of fit into that into that mix, and and how are you developing those revenue streams at Colo Colo other than you know just the international piece? It's becoming very very important. Uh, when we arrived, we we didn't have an e-commerce in Colo Colo, so we 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 built one from from scratch, and it's now a very important revenue stream. Uh, this year. We open a, a store in the stadium. We didn't have a store uh, either, and that combined, uh, I think it's going to be historic the revenue this year yeah. between both. And in terms of uh, Adidas and, and 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 selling the shirts, it's it's a very high number. So, uh, you think about Chile being a small country, but when we launched uh, the first shirt with Adidas in 2021, we were eight weeks the top one selling shirt in Latin America. Oh wow more shirts than Flamengo, Boca Rio for these eight weeks. And yeah. then we, we stayed in the top three for another weeks. And the same happened with the new shirt in 2022. So it's a very interesting revenue stream for us. Uh, we have a, a very good deal. So the, the, the more shirts uh, Adidas sell, the better for us. Yeah. So it's being huge. And same with licensing. We are building, uh, we changed the licensing strategy before we asked for a very high minimum guarantee yeah. for a licensee, and that yeah restricts it restricts, exactly. Yeah. And 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 if they are not big brands, it's very yeah, difficult. Yeah. So we changed, we lowered that fee, we increased the royalty, but we opened yeah. to many other that want to do like a cool cool products, cool stuff. And now we have over forty uh, licenses with range of products like yeah, yeah. The very very nice ones and you find all of them in our stores so that also pushes the the, the sales in in our uh, stores and it's growing every uh, re really good well speaking of growth uh, one aspect of the sport that's been growing and gaining momentum in the last few years is, has been uh, women's football mm -hmm. uh, i want to talk about um your investment the colo colo how colo colo has invested in women's football and how that helps develop the sport, both in Chile in general, but also for Colo Colo specifically. Well, women's football for us is uh, key right now. It's one of the of, of, of the pillars since uh, I would say 2019 uh, became like a, a pillar. Our f uh, women's team they won Copa Libertadores in 2012. They are the only uh, women's team in Chile. Males also, we are the only team to have won Libertadores in Colo Colo. And I think there are only five or six teams in Latin America who have won it in the men and, and women. So uh, back in the days, maybe the difference between teams uh, was not very uh, cl clear. Now you see a tendency to... The same is happening with the men. So you have Brazil, which is a huge market and, and the huge wages and teams like uh, they could play easily in the top five league or in the Champions League. 
and, and they make a lot of difference. Argentinian teams, they might cope a little bit against them, but the difference are, are really big. And in the women's team, you for the last, I don't know, four or five years, you see the Brazilian teams always reaching, I don't know, three or four teams reaching semifinals, so it's uh, kind of the same. So we took the decision in 2019 to uh, make professional contract to all the players. We were the first team to do it, and we did it to all the players. Chile is now in a transition to professionalize uh, women's football, uh, but it uh, hasn't been uh, yeah. uh, fin uh, finalized. And we are trying to give them the same, the same uh, tools that the men's team have has. So they are going to the hotel before a game. The, the when they can, they, 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 they go with, with an airplane. They don't do like a long buses. Um, they have a really good training facilities. We decided to provide the, the stadium for her games. Uh, before that wasn't. They, even now, you play maybe an important game uh, away and they use like train, train pitches or, or really small stadium. We use our stadium. A few weeks ago, we had the record in assistance in attendance. We had 10,000 people, uh, fans attending our game. We are we are going to play now semifinals in in two more weeks. We are going to we are hoping to reach 20,000, which is gonna be like a, a, another record for us. And and that's the thing. We we now have a very good coach. We brought a Brazilian coach who. who who played in the final of Copa Libertadores with a Brazilian team. They, she won the Brasileirao, so we have a top, top, very uh, coaching staff. And, and that's the way forward. Uh, we are aiming to, this year we were maybe unlucky, we lost in quarterfinals of Libertadores, but we are aiming to be protagonists from now to the next years. Fantastic to hear about what you're doing with the, um, with the women's game. I think to hear kind of the... the the attendance figures that you have in the success you have in the first to offer the professional contracts clearly colo colo pioneering um the women's game in chile so fantastic and i look forward to seeing the progress of the women's game in you know broader in chile so you can mm. uh, you know continue that growth um we are pretty much out of time but i do want to ask one last question around a really important date in the diary that's coming up i think in 2025 which is your centenary year Talk us through about you know how much of a celebration that's going to be for a Colo Colo and what what maybe lies in store that you can share for that year. It's it's a huge year for us, uh, hundred years. Uh, we're working a lot of stuff right now. Can't tell you much about it, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but many surprises. And w what we want to do is like uh, to celebrate the whole year, not only in the exact date, which is the uh, nineteenth of April, but throughout the three, uh, 365 days with different uh, milestones, with different uh, things, uh, special shirts, uh, you have one uh, there, uh, maybe a tour. So we, we are exploring a lot of ideas with our with with committee and that's the idea, to have like a massive fest and to celebrate the whole year. That sounds fantastic. I need to make sure I get myself one of those centenary shirts as well. Yeah. And Sam. We'll be waiting. We will share our, our details after the, the recording. <laughs> but for now, this is, has been a Behind the Badge podcast or videocast, should I say, yeah, this absolutely. time because we're recording in SBC Summit Latin America. Uh, Behind the Badge, of course, brought to you by SBC Sponsorship with, of course, SBC Sponsorship Director George Harvon. 
Thank you very much, Samuel, Commercial Director at Colo-Colo, for being here with us here. And, of course, thank you all of our viewers or listeners, if you're listening. And uh, we'll meet in the next one. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you, Sam.